This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Hello Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show. My name is Mark and as always, I'm joined by my pal Will Gottlieb. Will, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than uh, like 98% of the Bulls roster is doing as I don't have COVID right now. But uh, how are you doing over there in Australia? I too do not have COVID, which is good. Um, Not that I'm necessarily in Chicago or connected to the Bulls at any in in any way or shape or form, but nonetheless, I don't have COVID. At this point, they are transferring it over to like through through Twitter to the Blog Boys. We're we're all (laughs) at risk. Well, maybe there's a new variant that'll come out that uh, can filter its way through the you know Twitter DMs or something like that that can that can hit me up that way. But um, I'm hoping our guest as well will doesn't have any. You know, traces of COVID or any signs like that. Maybe he'll be entering health and safety protocols after this podcast for different reasons. But um, we are fortunate today to be joined by a friend of the podcast and, in my opinion, the best writer covering the Bulls at present. It's Mr. Stefan No. Steph, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. We're we're very excited to get you in here. It's been a while since we were on the mic together, but get you in here before your new life as a reporter writer starts. Yeah, yeah, it's for sure. uh, the old the olden days, you know. Me and Will had Bull Corp Press, so this is gonna be fun. Yeah, it kind of feels like uh, I'm I'm the the new you know the new wife, let's say, and and, and you two <laughs> are the previous like a divorced couple, and uh, maybe I'm sort of in, in, encroaching where I shouldn't be. But it's um, all amicable. Hopefully, that's not the, the dynamic as we go through this show. But uh, your home record, Mark. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Give me my but, Will so. back. <laughs> well, look, uh, look, Stefan. Maybe at the end of the show we can close with um, a bit of an update as to what you're doing. I'm not necessarily expecting you to tell the listeners where you're going and all that sort of stuff, but um, just in case they haven't heard, obviously, um, we'll touch on it a bit later. We'll get into a bit more detail. But Stefan, um, you know, his hard work has paid off. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way, and he might necessarily be covering off all things Bulls going forward, which is probably fortunate for him right now, given the state of the Bulls at the moment. Nine players in health and safety protocols, which is just ridiculous. I don't know how about you guys, but I am extremely pissed off right now. I am extremely annoyed for a number of reasons. One, I've had about two hours sleep. Two, I watched the F1, the closing race of the F1 season. I'm just livid with the results and that's made me extra pissed off. And on top of that, um, I wake up to news that Zach Levine and who, who was the other player that's entered bloody health and safety Troy protocols? Brown. Troy Brown. Troy Brown. Yeah. Like, th- that's nine players now in health and safety protocol, which is just ridiculous at this point. Over half of the roster is in health and safety protocols. I want to kill the NBA. They're pissing me off a lot right now. But uh, look, that's how I feel about it. But uh, I'm not sure how you feel about it, Will. Are you as annoyed as I am? I mean, it's just dangerous at this point. Like, yeah, they go out there. They're obviously infecting one another and then you play a new team every night you put all of those players at risk they go off and play a team the next night and put all of those players at risk and that's i mean why we're in this situation in the first place but yes it's really frustrating um even just beyond a wins and losses perspective which obviously the bulls are going to be taking a hit in the standings um so yeah i know when we were chatting uh before pressing record here stefan was saying that he had a little rant to go on so i'll, I'll uh I want to hear what he has to say here. Yeah, I mean, like you guys, I think it's totally crazy that the league has not canceled the games at this point. And 
I think it's really easy for people to say that, you know, these are multi-millionaire players. Like, who cares? They're young. They're going to be fine. Uh, you know, the rate of death for super infit people like that is not very high. But I think that ignores a lot of things. Like, first of all, there's a lot of people that are traveling with the Bulls that don't have that kind of money. You know, like the support staff does not get paid that much. Look at a guy like uh, Mo Cheeks. You know, he's in his 60s. Um, he's had uh, very publicized uh, battles with gout, which increases your risk significantly of dying from COVID. I mean, what's that guy supposed to do, right? Like Johnny Ligmanowski, he's the equipment manager. He's been with the team since the 90s. I don't know how old he is, but he's got to be like in his 50s or 60s. Billy Donovan, you know, he's in his 50s. Uh, and, and even like lesser lesser people that, you know, don't don't make this kind of NBA money. And, you know, when your coworkers are like, like 80% of them are getting COVID, there's I mean, it's it's a very scary situation for you if you're an elderly person at risk. It's it's just totally crazy. Um, you know, people that have followed me for a long time know that I watch pretty much every Bulls game. I'll miss a couple here and there. Uh, but I did not watch the most recent game against the Heat, and I'm not going to watch this one against the Pistons. You know, I think it's a total farce what the league is doing. And our jobs as media guys depend on kind of hyping up the product. And when people don't watch, that's very, very bad for our occupation. So I I don't say this lightly when I I'm telling your listeners you know you guys should not be watching these games you should not be endorsing this product that the NBA is putting out there it's I mean they're getting replacements for the replacements at this point um the clearly the only reason why they're doing this is for the money I mean there's no competition angle here uh I think that if you polled the rest of the players they like I think a lot of fans are thinking about this from a win and loss perspective that it kind of screws the Bulls in terms of, you know, they're going to lose a lot of these games. But it's so much more important than that. And in, in that, like, as Will said, you know, you're spreading COVID to a bunch of different cities. It's, it's just totally crazy that they're allowing this to happen. Yeah, completely agree. I, and look, this is mere, mere speculation. RJ Barrett could have caught COVID from a number of different sources, but I believe he's in health and safety protocols at the moment. The, the Bulls played the Knicks about a week ago. Um, the, the Hornets and the Bulls have been ravaged with uh, with COVID. We know, you know, Will and I spoke about this last week that those two teams played not so long ago. You have to wonder if that was sort of transmitted within that game. But to your point, Stefan, like even guys that are tangentially you know, linked to the Bulls, like Stacey King is in health and pro- uh, health and safety protocols. Bill Wennington, if I'm not mistaken, missed the last game because of COVID protocols. So like to your point about these guys being you know, not the players, not necessarily the, the peak athletes who may not suffer from this. And it, I mean, the good thing to note is that based on, on what Billy Donovan has said, that most of the guys who are out at the moment either, uh, you know, have no symptoms or if they do, they're very mild. But, you know, you, just because the players are okay doesn't mean other people are going to be okay. You're exposing others to this. So like, I don't want to be this guy, but like Stacey King and Bill, Win- Bill, uh, Bill Wennington, like they're older dudes. They're not in the fittest of shape, let's say. If for whatever reason they got this from a Bulls player who, I don't know, has, has passed this on, like it's it's not good news still. So I, I don't understand why the league is allowing this to happen. Like at the moment, their position is essentially you need eight fit and healthy players or until you get to the point where you've only got eight players left at that point. That's the only point where, where they'll postpone, uh, postpone games. But it's concrete. It's completely ridiculous. Like why why can't you just postpone this game now? Like to your point, like Stefan, you said. The replacements are now getting COVID. Like Stanley Johnson was a uh, came in as part of the hardship, hardship exemption. He didn't even get a chance to play for the Bulls because he got COVID and is now in health and safety protocols. So, yeah, not only are you jeopardizing the health and safety of players, they're, they're just their general well-being, but you're also potentially jeopardizing careers. Like for, for Stanley Johnson, this was his way back into the league and he may not get another shot now because of this. So it's just dumb. It is stupid, but... I don't know what the league's going to do about it, if they do anything about it at all, but clearly the Bulls have an, a- an outbreak and they haven't been able to control it. I think the other thing to consider here is that like, I mean, you mentioned the Hornets and some of the other teams, uh, RJ Barrett, who potentially could have been exposed while playing the Bulls. I believe like this whole thing could have started when on November 3rd or November 6th, when the Bulls played back-to-back games against the 76ers and Joel Embiid was put into COVID protocols and then Vooch got it and then it starts spreading. And for the league to who obviously cares so much about the like making money off this product, they're putting the rest of the season in jeopardy when you send these players into games every day and 
COVID can just ravage through each team like a month at a time. And it's not going to be good for the product, which is seemingly what they care the most about. They just need to take 10 or 20 days off or whatever it may be. You've got the Christmas break when only a couple of teams play. Just shut it down. Let everybody get healthy. You're like, you can tack a few games on at the end of the season, whatever it may be. I think they can find ways if they really want to, to make that money back, but we're putting people's health and lives in danger. And that's like really the the bigger issue here. The, the health and safety of the people is, is certainly the primary issue. But I mean, even from a basketball standpoint, we have to address this as well. Like this is going to impact potentially the result of this season. Now, obviously, you know, the, the Bulls are in a situation here. They've been heavily affected by this. Maybe it won't affect other teams, but I'm very thankful right now that they have banked the number of wins they have because they can maybe sort of get through this period you know, somewhat unscathed, let's say, or at least uh, you know, limit the uh, the damage potential of this of this outbreak, so to speak. But nonetheless, like if they weren't in the position where they were, if they were hovering around five hundred or something like that, and you get this thing where you've got nine players out over a course of number of weeks, and and this is the thing as well, like we're assuming players will come back after ten days. But you mentioned the the Sixers and Joel Embiid, but like it took for him three weeks to to come back. You don't know how every player is going to react to this when they come back to these sorts of things. So it really can derail a team's season, which obviously I'm hoping isn't the case for the Bulls. I'm assuming it won't be. But uh, I mean, at this point, Stefan, are you just thankful that the team has banked the number of wins where they can maybe, I don't know, mitigate these losses some in, in some respect? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And uh, just, I guess, bringing it back to basketball, I think that uh, yeah, one, one thing that I've... Uh, thought about this season is there's going to be a lot more variants this year than in previous years. So I know a big talking point in both circles has been, you know, is this team actually a true contender? And yeah, just based on that randomness factor that um, teams are going to have more of a puncher's chance at, at winning a championship if, you know, your opponent just has crazy COVID stuff going on. Um, I think that does kind of bode better for the underdogs like the Bulls as, as far as championship equity goes as uh, as compared to like a typical year. And uh, I know you guys wanted to discuss like some potential avenues for how the Bulls could improve their team and how they could also enhance that championship window. So I don't know. I don't want to play point guard here, but maybe we could get into that next. No, that's fine. I think that's a good natural progression as to where we should take this show because I mean, with Zach out now, I mean, they're essentially trying to get by with Zach, Zach Levine sort of carrying this team or wins. And it kind of felt like during the second quarter against the uh, the Heat there and even other games during the week where Zach was going to do that thing. I mean, uh, that's what happened against the Nuggets earlier against the win. We kind of forgotten about that win. That was a nice win by the Bulls. The last couple obviously haven't been so great. But now with Zach out, effectively you're left with a team that is basically just Vooch and Caruso and Lonzo and not much else, to be honest with you. So I don't know if it if this time now gives us an opportunity to reassess things, maybe maybe this will, I don't know, maybe the silver lining here is maybe Vooch will just be force-fed touches where he can maybe play play his well, uh, play himself into form of such. But I guess from an on-court standpoint, the glaring issue with this team, you know, COVID aside, is the fact that Vooch just continues to be quite poor and like if there was never a time where you really needed him to sort of snap out of this slump that he's seemingly been in over the last 20-25 games uh, obviously he hasn't snapped out of it because he was really bad against the Heat he wasn't great against the Cavs or or the or the Denver Nuggets so I don't know are we at the point now where the next few games are going to be telling us a lot about what the Vooch experience will be or should be going forward Will? Well I think even before like looking into that zooming out a little bit here is there a chance that this is just who he is? Like, I personally don't think so. The the drop off in terms of like statistical output um, percentages from various points around the floor in terms of shooting. Um, I, I don't think that this is like who he is anymore. But I'd be curious to hear if you guys have takes about that just because um, last year, I mean, he was unbelievable with the magic. His numbers did drop off a little bit after coming to the Bulls, just in terms of raw box score, um, like points, rebounds, etc. Uh, but that was kind of like a bit of an outlier, an outlier shooting performance um, in terms of both volume and efficiency. So last year with the magic, um, 40% on threes uh, on six and a half attempts per game. 
Year before that, 34% on 4.7 attempts. Year before that, 36% on 2.9 attempts. So was never a huge volume three-point shooter. All of a sudden has this big jump into being, you know, 40 plus percent on really high volume. And I guess even just looking into the slump, which obviously um, it's like there is some shooting slump aspect of it going on. But do we think at all that last season was just sort of an outlier in terms of production and efficiency from him? I think it's really interesting that everyone you ask has their own kind of Vooch theory on why he's been terrible this year. <laughs> and uh, I'll give you mine. Uh, I mean, w- we've heard a lot of them that like he's just out of shape or he's washed or whatever. Uh, do either of you guys watch the show Ted Lasso? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So yeah, one of the episodes, uh, one of the characters has the yips and yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to say the word because if you say the word yips, then it reinforces it and it just makes things worse. Yeah. My theory yeah. is that this is what's going on with Vooch and nobody wants to say it because... Mm-hmm. Um, if you tell him that it's a confidence issue, then that's just going to make his confidence even worse. So, um, yeah, I mean, there've been a lot of players in a lot of different sports that have just never recovered from having the yips. And then there've been other guys who just get over it. And a lot of, I think most of the players, what happens is like you get over it, uh, for some period of time and then it kind of comes back every once in a while. So I don't know. I mean, uh, he seems physically fine. Like he's getting to his spots. He is uh, getting really easy shots. So I just don't have any other explanation other than uh, it's seems to be a mental thing from my perspective. And to me, that's what really tips it off. And and I totally agree that that this is not just like he's bad, right? Like you know, it's it's kind of ironic that I think Wendell had uh, similar like mental issues in terms of confidence and like self-esteem playing with the bulls and then he goes down to orlando and now he's having a breakout season Vooch <laughs> does the exact opposite um but he's like missing bunnies at the rim like he, he's just not making shots that that like any like replacement level center could put in or on the rim um he's still like his touch looks fine he's still shooting like uh, a pretty high volume of threes 4.7 per game 34 percent three-point shooting um I really do think it's just a super rough cold streak and it is a really rough one. But to me, it's not something that like he's just bad now and we need to move on from him as, as a player. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, it's odd. It is odd. And I don't know, you know, if we need to have an explanation for it because he himself doesn't have an explanation for it. And I think that was the, the most telling thing post, post the heat game was he essentially admitted like he doesn't know what is going on. Like he, he can't explain the shooting stuff that he's going through. So I don't know if he can't explain it, then I, I don't think we are in a position to necessarily explain it. But similarly to what you have both said, like to me, this is a confidence thing. If you want to call it confidence, if you want to call it a mental thing, if you want to call it the yips, I don't know if it's sacrilegious to call it that. And, and maybe if we do call it that, maybe he'll never come back from it. But like, if you look at his shooting profiles, they're essentially the same this season as it's been for most of his career. And the really the only difference is the field goal percentages from certain spots on the floor. And they're just at a level that they've never been in his career ever before. Like even as a rookie, he wasn't this bad. So I, I just can't believe that it's a decline to the point where this is the new normal type thing. Like I would expect it to be more progressive than the way that he's just like steeply fallen off sort of thing. So I, I can't. I just can't get there now to think this is just who he is. He's declining. He's 30, 31 now or going on 31 if he's not there. And for whatever reason, he's just aged down and, and for whatever reason, just can't hit open jumpers. Like you mentioned, Stefan, like he's getting really good, easy looks. So it's not like a situation where he's being forced into tough shots or he's playing with worse players. Like this is the best team he's ever been part of. Like the, if, if anything, like he should be more efficient than he's ever been previously, even if he is aging out, like he's still getting good quality looks, but for whatever reason, they just... They just went full. It, it's it's crazy. And another indicator for me is that last year he shot 87% on free throws with the Bulls and 84% on the season. And this year he's at 64%. So he's down 20% on free throw shooting. Like that to me would be a pretty good indicator. Like as far as all things being equal, that should stay pretty constant throughout somebody's career unless you are a really shaky shooter. And he's been uh, very, you know, steady across his career. So I think the the bigger question here 
is like, what do you do about it? And I think given the the COVID situation, like he's just going to have to shoot his way out of it, which is fine. But um, I, I get the the reason why people would be upset about this is because the Bulls don't really have another option to go to. The other indicator that I kind of look at as far as um, judging whether it's a physical drop-off or a mental drop-off for him is, I mean, we haven't talked at all about his play on defense. I think that actually this year on defense, he's been better than in previous years. So He, he was fantastic against Jokic on last Monday. Yeah, so that tells me that um, as far as like his physical conditioning or if he's just physically washed, like, you know, Joe Kim Noah completely fell off a cliff, right? Just one year he was done. And that's because his body fell apart. And you could see that on the defensive end, too. Like, he just wasn't able to stay in front of anyone anymore. Uh, but, yeah, with with Vucevic, like, I, I think he's playing pretty well defensively. So that should tell you that it's it's more of a mental thing. And as far as just what you do at this point, I mean, I, I think that it's fair to say that he's been holding them back pretty significantly in a lot of these games, especially the close games. Like, he's kind of been the difference in some of them. I've definitely contemplated in my mind whether it's just time to move on from him. Like, I know they gave up a lot to get him, but at this point, it's you don't want to fall victim to sunk cost fallacy where, um, you know, what, what you paid is what you paid now, and you just have to move on if it's not working. And also, like, they don't have a lot of these huge salary slots uh, if they want to get a big name. So he would kind of be the natural guy that you would try to move and package with uh, Patrick Williams or Kobe or draft picks or whatever. Uh, that's kind of the only way that they could add like a huge piece. So what do you guys think? Look, look, I definitely want to discuss the trade element of this because I think that's where I'm, where we're ultimately getting to if this continues. And I mean, the Bulls are in a win now situation and he was meant to be part of that. And I'm assuming they want to continue that. But I guess before they get to that point, they have to explore every single avenue of trying to find the best version of this guy because in a lot of ways he was the one that would make things all work between Zach and DeMar, specifically with DeMar. But, like, I mean, Stefan, like, you, from an X and O's standpoint, you're really good at analyzing the team. Like, is there anything else Billy Donovan could be doing to to get Vooch going? Is, is there anything the coaching staff could be doing? Or is this literally just a dude, for whatever reason, that just can't can't make shots despite, you know, getting good, good looks? Billy Donovan definitely has some tips in him where he is going to fall on the sword when his players are struggling. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not like an effort thing, you know, I think he, he'll call it bad effort, but when it's just like something with Vooch, he has consistently said, we need to find ways to get Vooch better shots or whatever. But yeah, you look at the shots he's missing, they're wide open, like, and they're, they're yeah. setting so much of their stuff up for him. Like the first play of almost every game is specifically designed for him to get an easy shot. When Donovan is calling a lot of these ATOs early in the games, uh, he's setting them up for Vucevic to get isolations to score. And even uh, a couple games ago, like uh, when somebody got a technical on the other team, they had way better free throw shooters out there. They had DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, who were both shooting in the high 80s. And then they send Vucevic out there. Well, you said he's shooting like 65% or whatever. He hit the free throw. But I mean, that's clearly a situation where um, they're sacrificing like some expectation of points in order to try to make Vucevic feel better. So I I think they're you know, bending over backwards to do whatever they can for him. Uh, at this point, you know, it's on him to produce. There's, there's nothing more the coaching staff can do. Yeah, and I, and I feel bad for him, like, in this situation because, you know, coming back to his comments against the Heat or after the Heat, like, he was at a loss to it and he was basically very honest about the situation, essentially saying, you know, that he's letting down the team. So it's not like he's running away from it or he's not acknowledging or he's not self-aware about the situation. He's very cognizant about what is going on. So in that sense, I do feel for him. But nonetheless, coming back to the point you were raising, Stefan, like from a broader scheme of things, if Donovan is doing all he can to prop up Vooch and for whatever reason, this isn't working, does that then extend to like a a tourist kind of show of us and do they need to consider their options here? So, I mean, Will, are are we getting to the point where... I don't know, is there enough of a sample here and particularly with this season and being that the Bulls being so competitive that maybe you have to make the cunning play here and maybe it's not ideal. Maybe, you know, you have to buy into this whole sunk fallacy aspect of it all or whether you do or don't buy into it. But um, I mean, does, does someone like AK need to be somewhat somewhat ruthless here and I don't know, maybe give himself an extra 10 games to see how this thing plays out. Maybe that's not necessarily ideal given the COVID uh, situation, which we discussed. But like, are we are we getting close to the point where the Bulls, where they are at this season and, and you know, how good De- DeMar and Levine have been, that maybe they just have to cut ties with Vooch and explore, uh, you know, explore options? 
Honestly, it's not something that I have really considered up until you guys just brought it up right here. I think um, given the fact that obviously, I mean, we spent 10 minutes on the top. They're all out with COVID right now. Like it doesn't make sense to make any massive roster changes until I think you have the full product back together a little bit more. I also think like, you know, we talked about how COVID affects everybody differently. He had COVID like he hasn't like had uh, a long string of these games to to sort of get in a rhythm here. So I, I definitely cannot see him being moved before the deadline just because we need more of a sample, I think, um, with the full roster together. But uh, I mean, it's a good point. Like you we, we talked about it last week. Like this is a window. This is a window for real. And I think if you are AK, you kind of need to to act on that, given the variance going on around the league, as stuff mentioned, um, and just the fact that, as we talked about last week, there isn't really a team that is like the runaway favorite. Um, the Bulls have competed at a high level against some of the top teams in the league. Uh, and if they want to maybe make an adjustment to style of play in terms of going more small or trying to identify bigger wings that can slide up and play the five rather than going with the the Vooch archetype here. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. But again, I just don't see that necessarily happening. Also, I mean, you'd just be selling at the absolute lowest point that you could. Yeah, and that's and that's the trick in this whole thing. Who, who the hell knows what his trade value is? But I mean, Stefan, at the moment, I mean, last since last time Will and I spoke, there's news that the, 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 the Pacers may be looking to reorganize their team, whatever that may look like, whether it's a complete rebuild or just shuffling, shuffling the deck and trading out some pieces. I don't know if there's names there that make sense. Maybe there's going to be other teams that fall off during this season whereby maybe they make some moves. I'm 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 naturally always thinking about the Sacramento Kings in that regard. Like you you expect them to fall off and and maybe there's some some options there. We've discussed Harrison Barnes at length, but maybe you can do a, a deal where you could also throw Vooch into it in into that trade and I don't know if you can get Rashawn Holmes through and it will change the dynamic of your of your team. But if you can get Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes for Patrick Williams and Vooch, like is that something they should explore? I don't know. Do you, do you have any theories, any uh, guesses or any suggestions as to if the Bulls were to pursue a, a Vooch trade in, I don't know, let's call it 20, 20, 25 games? Is there any particular players or teams that you would be specifically targeting? If the Kings were to do that trade that you just mentioned... I would assume that Gar and Pax are shadow GMing that organization because that is just an atrocious deal from the Kings Kings side. I would definitely do that from the Bulls side. Rashawn Holmes is like borderline all star this year. He's been amazing. And uh We were on video here and just the way that Stefan's face lit up when, when Mark made that uh <laughs> trade. That's, that's a C Red Fred level of trade, Mark. I expect better from you. Wow, well, look, I'm happy to throw in a, uh, a, a you know a second round pick if that makes it a little bit more uh, attractive for the Kings or balances out. I was untouchable, but, though, right? Uh, yeah, according to C. Redford, I was untouchable. Um, but uh, look, he won't throw in for Harrison Barnes, but maybe if you add in Rashawn Holmes, maybe that levels things up. But I mean, coming back to the Pacers, like a Central Division, uh, let's call them a rival to, to some respects, not necessarily this season, but in years past, but like. Is Miles Turner, uh, Miles Turner, or you know, Demantis Sabonis, an option here for the Bulls? I, I don't know if Vooch is necessarily someone that makes sense for the for the Pacers, but like, ideally, like, is someone like Sabonis or, or Turner, who again would probably change drastically how you play the game? But are they potential avenues the Bulls will explore or should explore? Yeah, that's kind of the reason why I a rare disagreement with me from Will and that I don't know if they can afford the luxury of waiting on trading Vooch because some of the players that are available now are pretty clear upgrades and they might not be available if you wait. So mm-hmm. like you mentioned, it doesn't really make sense from the Pacer side to get a guy like Vucevic. It'd probably have to be either a three-team trade or they would just try to flip Vucevic, which I don't even know like what his... If he has positive value at this point, his contract's pretty good. He makes twenty four million this year, twenty two million next year, and then he's uh, yeah, then he's a free agent. But I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't pay twenty four million for this level of production. That's for sure. So you have to have some idea baked in that he's going to have some regression towards his uh, career numbers. Um, yeah, but both of those guys would fit great. Those Pacers guys would fit great with the Bulls, and you can't really get them with Vucevic here because you you just can't really win playing two bigs uh, in today's NBA. That's why the Pacers are blowing that up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're very different players too, but 
Both of them kind of like ironically address the Bulls' deficiencies in different ways. So I would be happy with either of those guys. Yeah, I think you would definitely have to attach some sort of asset to Vucevic and um i don't it, it would be a complicated trade but you know what like this front office has shown us if anything that that's that does not deter them like if they want a guy and they have value that they can ship out they're going to figure out a way to get it done they just need to make that determination that uh one of those two pacer centers is a guy that they actually want and i i think they would be able to figure out a way to do it to me i think uh just in terms of like deciding between the two if you had the option Sabonis is obviously like really skilled playmaking hub um, from the big man position, but doesn't really space the floor at all. So I'd be a little bit concerned about just the fit there. The spacing on this team is already pretty rough. And at this point, we kind of know that we want the ball in DeRozan's hands in key moments. And I would be afraid to like put Sabonis at the elbow when DeRozan is trying to get to that same spot. Miles Turner, I think, would be a really fun change of pace in terms of style, where he really can shoot the ball. Obviously, um, he'll have nights where he hits like six threes, and then he'll have nights where he goes 0 for 8. Um, but like tremendous shot blocker uh, would really change the like, um, just the whole dynamic could also play really fast uh, the, ways, the way that the Bulls have tried to get up and down in transition. But yeah, I do think just like, I guess what what I'm struggling with is like shaking the the idea in theory that Vooch is like really the perfect player for this team because he can do both of those things that I that I addressed for Sabonis and Turner as far as like playmaking, but also spacing it out and being, I think, a really solid uh, drop coverage big. So yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's fun to think about. I think for me, I would prefer to go like the more athletic and, and spacey direction of that. Yeah, it, and look, I'm assuming they're going to give him as much time as possible to to figure this out himself. But effectively, what this is doing, this slump is doing, is it's making us think about, or at least bringing forward, the ultimate decision that you need to make on Vooch. Like he's he's got like one more year on his deal after this, if I'm not mistaken. So like you're going to have to make a decision on him at some point at next season, whether that's to you know extend him or you know go to free agency, offer him a new deal, or at that point, try to find his his replacement. I know, uh, you know, we like to talk about Jokic and the whole thing about <laughs> potentially him he coming to the Chicago in 2023 rather, but like, obviously that's pie in the sky type stuff. But if Vooch is this bad this this season and, and it doesn't turn around, like you're effectively bringing forward that decision date. So that it, it, it may come to pass where they have to make a decision now. So I certainly take your point, like, uh, the the idealized version of Vooch makes complete sense with DeRozan, and and that's why I really love the pairing of DeRozan and Vooch because you know Vooch's outside game made a, a ton of sense with you know having an inverted offense type thing with maybe Demand being more on the block, and that's that's the drawback with Sabonis because he likes to operate from similar spaces as Vooch, but you do get that passing aspect that Vooch has in the short role, which he's you know he's been awesome at this season, you know in spite of all the other problems that he's had, but. You know, the Bulls have been a fantastic defense this season. So maybe, you know, they've got a top eight defense right now. So maybe you lean even harder into that. You get in Miles Turner. Maybe you don't necessarily reach the peak levels of offense that we expected. But if you can get to a level where you're the sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, eighth best defense in the NBA to the point where you add a Turner, like a real legit uh, room protector, maybe you, you get worse as a rebounding team, which is you know, not a strength of the Bulls right now, but if you can get better on defensively and you can, you can lean even harder into that defensive identity, like maybe you can become a top three, top four defense. And I don't know, maybe that adds more scope to the team. I wonder though, just like how much better the, especially like the half court offense would look if Vooch's numbers just like regress to their relative career numbers. Like I think the, the offense has not looked good in the half court. Obviously transition is like best in the league. Uh, and I don't really know if there's like a good proxy as far as like ways to be able to like measure that. But if Vooch is just like hitting 40% of his threes, does the offense in the half court now just look statistically a lot better? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think there was only one game where the big three that we thought coming into the year, Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch all scored more than 20 points. And they were like unbelievable in that game. I can't remember who it was, who it was against, but they blew the team out and... Uh, so yeah, yeah it was a couple, I, couple of weeks ago, the Hornets Vucchetti's breakout game where he was six or six from three, and then the next game he was he was quite good against the Knicks as well. But like that's 
that's virtually the only two games, if I'm not mistaken. There may have been an earlier game earlier in the season when he, the first 10 games before he had COVID where Vooch had a, a solid game. But to your point, like it's it's been um, few and far between. Yeah, it's pretty wild that they've only had one or two games where all three of those guys have played well. So to your point, yeah. Will, I think that if they could actually get that, that would be awesome. Like their half-court offense would be a lot better. But at this point, I mean, I just don't know if it's going to happen. You know, it's been we're like a basically a third of the way through the season and you know he he's been pretty consistently bad so i it's it would be great if it happens but i'm just not holding my breath that he's just gonna suddenly turn it around and be the the same old vooch as before yeah and there's i mean he certainly like as actually has to put that together but um i mean to mark's point at the top like the bulls are really lucky that they've banked 17 wins here uh, the East though is really tight. And so I get the urgency as far as like shaking things up. Uh, it, it just feels like kind of DEFCON, whatever number is the worst, like this, everybody's out COVID like Zach's out, Damar's out, uh, Vooch can't shoot. It's like, I get the urgency, but I also just feel like it's, it, it would be scary for me as somebody who like loves to, you know, go full Bill Simmons and, uh, create, you know, mock trades and stuff like that it would it would be hard for me to to rush into that given all of the other stuff going on i mean you're making sound points so uh, you're not wrong and i'm obviously not going to say you're wrong and in ideally like everything you're saying i completely agree with so even though i'm throwing out some trade options i'm not i'm not there yet mentally and i still don't believe this is you know the actual version of vooch that will will last whether it's in chicago or somewhere else but Another random stupid trade that I just thought of just to, you know, be a hypocrite in that previous stance that I just sort of threw out there. What, what Like the Blazers are another team that are potentially, they're not going to blow it up as such. Damian Lillard has made it pretty clear that he wants to stay there. They've fired uh, Neil Olshay. We talked about it last week, Will, that um, Mark Eversley may be a candidate at some point to, to come in and run that show. But like Yusuf Nurkic isn't working out there. Robert Covington is someone that isn't really working out important at the, at the moment either. He's been benched for for Larry Nance Jr., who's going into start a power forward for for the uh, for the Blazers, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, is there a package trade there where you can get back Nurk and Covington, address a couple of needs the Bulls have, and you send out you know Vucevic back to the Blazers and you know some other piece from Chicago as an example obviously you know we've we've, we've clearly said Io is untouchable at this point uh, but is there another option there that works for the Bulls where you can get in a stopgap like Nurkic but you also get that big rangy 3-4 type wing like Covington who can play some help defense spot up and hit some threes and can help fill that void left by Patrick Williams I think both of those guys Nurkic and Covington are pretty overrated at this point like they were good mm. a couple years ago but they've dropped off a lot and you see that in the Blazers numbers their defensive numbers they've been bottom three I think the last two years uh basically right after Jim Boylan started consulting for them yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but uh yeah I mean Covington has this reputation I think uh Zach Lowe said this the other day like that he considers Covington like his most overrated guy in the NBA that he's supposed to be this amazing defender but he's just like he's he's not that great on ball and he's like okay as a team defender at this point and then Nurkic just doesn't have the uh the base athleticism that he used to um to make a difference on the defensive end so I, those guys would definitely make the bulls better but i would not give up a ton to get them well i, I guess the the, the catch there is if Vuce is a distressed asset let's say then you're not necessarily going to get quality of back. But I mean, Nurkic is still over, has a 23 PER this season. And maybe he looks so bad because the Blazers are just being, you know, heavily aggressive of defense, that Jim Boyle and influence. I think if I'm not mistaken, they're, you know, they're, they're attacking pick and roll more aggressively than virtually any other team in the, in the NBA, which maybe isn't what Nurk ideally should be playing in terms of a defensive standpoint. If he's in that Vooch role or he's playing more that drop center type role, then maybe he can look a little bit, a little bit better. Maybe, um, um, you know, we've got rose-colored classes on. But I, I guess, you know, if the point is if Vooch is distressed asset or is a distressed asset, then maybe we have to uh, aim a little bit lower, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key here is like, what are you actually getting back? If the Bulls could like pull off a miracle trade and like get a lot better out of this, absolutely. Um, I actually like Nurkic. I feel like they're not really like playing him to his strengths. They're playing him like 22 minutes a game, which is weird. You guys mentioned Nance, like Derek Jones has been great, but it would be pretty awesome if they were playing 
Nance at, at the backup four or five right now in the marketing trade. So I, I guess like another thing that comes to mind here as kind of like an argument, and I almost like can't really believe I'm saying this because normally I'm really like excited about blowing it up and making trades and stuff, is just like the upside potential of like keeping Vooch is higher than necessarily like trading low, getting some mediocre yeah. guys in. But the downside is also pretty, pretty far down considering how bad he looks now. Yeah. And look, the irony to this in some way, not necessarily connected to Vooch, but like the, the Daniel Gaffer trade hasn't really worked out for the Bulls. Um, I think that's a fair statement. Um, I, I supported the deal when it happened. Um, I'm not the biggest Gafford fan going around. I think he's a you know a player that can be replaced in some senses. But like, if you don't trade Gafford at the deadline last year, and you don't really you didn't have to necessarily. But like, if if you don't do that deal now, and you don't have to go out and, and add Tony Bradley because you got Daniel Gafford, Gafford has done has done some good things. Obviously, you know during his time with the Wizards, then you know in terms of a mitigation, like. If you had kept Gafford, then maybe this Vooch problem wouldn't be as as, as big as it, of an issue that it currently is. And I don't, I don't know if again that's hindsight is twenty twenty, and maybe I'm completely wrong in that sense. But um, you know, Gafford would have been a a good stopgap solution during you know Vooch's issues right now. Yeah, I mean Tyson Tyson uh, Thaddeus Young too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny because like the AK regime has been so swingy in terms of great great moves that it's hard. It seems like nitpicky to criticize anything he's done at this point because of mm. you know getting Lonzo Ball, getting Caruso, getting DeRozan. Yeah, but then you talked you talked about the Gafford trade. That was a clear loss. Yeah. Will you talked about uh, choosing DJJ over Nance, which I think a lot of people love. Derek Jones Jr. He's been very good, but Nance would be a lot better for this team specifically because of the things that he's really good at. Like he's one of the best short rollers in yeah. the league. And mm-hmm. that is where the Bulls have clearly struggled so, so badly. And they could have picked either guy, you know, they would have fit into their salary requirements for the trade. Uh, they would have had to pay Nance next year. So there might have been some tax implications next year, but um, he's exactly what the Bulls are missing. So I think that's also another miss for AK. Um, the Vucevic thing, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's just been very uneven. There have there's There's been very few like just average moves everything's either been really really good or really bad yeah if if i'm not mistaken though um they got javante green in the uh in the the gaffer trade yeah and tony uh yeah troy brown jr if if i'm not mistaken yeah i think that was the i think it was a three-team deal with the celtics and the wizards yeah so obviously you know i'm a big javante fan so maybe maybe another untouchable Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another un- <laughs> another uh, untouchable shout out to C Redfred. I'm, I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that Javante is untouchable. Joining I on that list, but man, this has been a depressing episode of, of Bulls HQ, will uh, which is you know unfortunate given that we've gotten Stefan on <laughs> on the show. But uh, I guess this, look, that's the state of the Bulls right now. It, it's not ideal. The, I mean, the good thing is that they're 17 and 10. They're still third in the East. They got the Pistons coming up. I'm assuming. You know, despite all the issues that the team has, that they're probably, you know, they're probably not, you know, equipped well enough to to beat the Pistons, despite the Pistons being a bad team. But who the hell knows? We spent the last uh, 20, 25 minutes just talking about Vooch trades. Maybe he's going to come out here and just find his form against the bad Pistons team and buoy this team to a, a win, despite all the uh, the casualties, uh, casualties the team has at the moment. So in terms of looking ahead, I guess the positive here is the Bulls don't have a ton of games coming up in terms of... Uh, you know the, the rundown in in the upcoming week. They've, they've got the Pistons on Tuesday night, the Raptors on Thursday, and then they close the week uh, Sunday versus the Lakers. Two of those games are home games. The Raptors get the Raptors games are, is an away game, but I mean not the best of teams coming up this week. I'm not expecting a ton of wins here, and our prediction rate took a little bit of a hit, will given to uh, all these COVID uh, issues that we've run into. But I don't know what do you foresee coming up this week is. Uh, who the hell knows who comes back from the COVID protocol this week, if any, guys. I mean, Kobe has been rumored to be potentially coming back soon. Not that he's necessarily going to make much of an impact, but uh, how, how do you think? How do you uh, foresee this week shaping up for for the Bulls? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned uh, it being kind of a downer episode. I guess there's something just about me and Stefan being on a podcast together of you know years of complaining about the three alphas and all that, but. Um, I I do think that there's still, and we've thought this all along, that there still is a lot of room for, for growth with this team on the offensive end. 
I do think these guys will get better. DeRozan, I think, was out like the Monday morning. Like we recorded last Sunday night for my time and DeRozan went into health and safety protocols the following morning. So he could be back by the time they play next Sunday against the Lakers if everything goes well. Like hopefully there aren't any complications here and they can just get back on track. I guess if we're doing our our weekly predictions, we went uh one in one and two last week. We guessed two and one, so not too far off. I still think uh I, I think they beat the Pistons on Tuesday. I think they'll probably lose uh, in the middle of the week against the Raptors um, in Toronto. And then I'm hoping, I'm optimistic that some of these guys will be back by Sunday and they'll get a win at home versus the Lakers. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going full doggable nation. I'm predicting a uh, a, a win this week. Uh, it's going to be rough. We're going to have to ride this out. And hopefully after this week, things get back to normal. And, uh, you know, maybe the magic of Christmas hits the team and things get right with the Bulls. I don't know. Who the hell knows? But... Um, yeah, I'm going to go complete downer on this and continue the theme of the podcast. I'm not expecting much this week, but you know, will you know even worse for the for for Bulls Nation is the fact that uh, Stefan will be, uh, I mean, stepping off the beat. Let's say, um, unfortunately for us, maybe fortunate for him, he won't necessarily have to cover the Bulls going forward to a ton. So again, that continues to suck for us Bulls fans. But but uh, I guess if there is any good news to come out of all this, or maybe the good news that we can speak about on this podcast without getting into the complete details of it all. But uh, Stefan, I alluded to it at the top there, mate, but uh, you're essentially going to be covering the league at large full time going forward. So uh, shout out to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like you guys need me to play some Levin Polka. That's... <laughs> the music that I tweet out after every Bulls win, we can get some uh, vibing cat dance going here, cheer you guys up a little bit. And uh, I just want to say, like, the reason why I've been so down on Vucevic, why I've said that basically given up all hope that he'll ever be a good NBA player again is a uh, little uh, talking baseball here. You know, when writers come out and either write a story hyping a guy up or come out with a really strong take that they're putting themselves out there, inevitably, the exact opposite thing always happens. So I will continue to say, Vooch is going to be terrible, Vooch is never going to come back, and when he is back to his old form, you guys can thank me for it. The old uh, reverse jinx there. Hopefully uh, hopefully that works, eh? But uh, in, in, I mean... Closing out the year, Stephanie, are you going to have any more Bulls coverage? Uh, I, I believe you're closing your, your Bulls sub stack, but is there going to be any final parting of the ways with uh, your Bulls-centric uh, focus here? Or, or what's the plan for you ending this year and heading into next year? Well, I'm going to start writing on uh, January, I think January 3rd is my first day. Uh, yeah, and I'll be covering the league at large. I don't really want to get too, too much into yeah, it, yeah, but, um, you know, the Bulls are, are awesome. So national outlets are writing about them now. So I'm sure that I will still have the occasional Bulls story here and there. Uh, yeah, you said that I, I luckily would not have to watch the too much of the Bulls anymore. Like, I, I feel the exact opposite way. I mean, I'm pretty heartbroken, actually, that I can't just yeah. dive into the minutia of this team because it's been so much fun to watch, especially after... <laughs> Well, we've gone through these last, you know, yeah, yeah. so many years since they <laughs> traded Jimmy Butler. So this has been a ton of fun for me. I've, I, I think you can tell, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, like the previous years, I was just kind of, I mean, I enjoy doing it, but compared to this year, I mean, it's not even close. Like it's just so much more enthusiasm around the team. Um, I actually expect them to win games, you know, in the fourth quarter now, <laughs> not this iteration with, you know, the COVID, COVID ravaged team, but um, yeah, and years previously, you're just counting down basically when when they blow the game right and now i'm like oh they're gonna find some way to win this they're down by five like how are they gonna do it this time so it's just it's the same feeling i had when i was watching the d rose bulls like when they went from a 41 and 41 team two years in a row to just destroying the league like they you just knew they were gonna win these close games it's, it's an awesome feeling it's the same feeling i had when i was watching the jordan bulls too where you just knew jordan was gonna figure something out it was gonna be cool to see what happened you went from reverse jinxing us on uh, Vooch to oh, now yeah. comparing us to the, <laughs> to the Jordan Bulls. The 72 and Jordan Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> C-Red Steph. But uh, look, uh, look. I mean, 
whatever volume you are for uh, covering the team, obviously we uh, we hope it's uh, more than less. But nonetheless, uh, we look forward to seeing what's next for you, mate. Uh, well-deserved placement that you've got coming up. And um, yeah, all the best with that and all the good fortunes with that. But nonetheless, uh, we, we appreciate you joining us on the show here today. Where, where can people catch you? I'm assuming if they're for whatever reason tuning into Bulls HQ, following me and Will, they're already following you. But nonetheless, if for whatever reason they're not, the rare chance that may be, tell people where they can follow you online. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Steph No, S-T-E-P-H-N-O-H. And um, yeah, that's about it for now. Perfect, mate. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Obviously, there'll be uh, more to come uh, via Stefan. So make sure to follow him on Twitter if you're not and to make sure you're, you're catching all his writing about the Bulls, but just the, the league at large coming up. Obviously, if you want to follow Will and I as well, you can catch Will at Won't Gottlieb. I'm at MK Hoops. The podcast is at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to send us an email with questions, ideas, suggestions for the show, all that sort of stuff, bullshqpod at gmail.com. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord, uh, drop me a DM on Twitter. I'll send you an invite. Alternatively, there will be an invite in the episode description of this episode. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's all the self-serving plugs out of the way. Oh, of course, five-star reviews, all that good stuff. Um, you know, if you want to send me a Christmas gift, don't me, don't actually send me a gift of sorts, but you know, give me a five-star review. Give Bulls HQ a five-star five-star review. Tell us how good the addition of Will has been for the show. So, um, all of that's on on iTunes. That would be uh. Well appreciated, but uh, well, we won't be back next week, unfortunately. So this is you know our our, our last episode before uh, before the holidays. Maybe maybe not the last before the new year, but at least the last before Christmas. Hopefully, by the time we are back, the Bulls are back and healthy again, and we have uh, happier things to be discussing. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But we should be back at some stage after Christmas, like I said, hopefully before the new year as well. But um, obviously, wherever you get Bulls HQ, whether it's you know following us on Twitter, your your, your standard feeds on your uh, your podcast platform, be on the lookout for that. Obviously, we'll be pimping out the ep- uh, the episode. But uh, yeah, week off for us coming up. But um, we'll be back hopefully before the new year enters. But again, thank you for Stefan uh, for jumping on the show on behalf of Will and I. Appreciate it. everyone tuning into Bulls HQ. Hopefully, there's um, some better stuff to talk about next time. But uh, until then, this has been Bulls HQ. Speak next time, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.